2: Hello and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio. I am Tim Hayes. I'm your host for the first hour. And today is Tuesday, April 18th, 2023. As always, we're grateful to everyone who chooses to join us here today, whether you're listening live or through the archives. As we spend another couple of hours teaching and supporting people in using some of the most powerful, effective, efficient, and accessible tools I've ever encountered, And that chapter of that book contains a narrative description and explanation of the primary tool in this work. That tool is called the Reality Management Worksheet, sometimes called the Reality Management Wake-Up Sheet. And it's a tool I've been using to great effect for over 18 years to improve the quality of my life and most of my relationships and to turn any negative emotional experience I have into part of the infallible guidance system that each and every one of us has been given. You can also download the actual worksheet process itself. It's a simple PDF file. Click the link, download it, print it off, copy it as often as you'd like, and use it over and over again absolutely free. You can also go to your app store and type in the three words, Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness. And if you choose to do that by the time you're done typing the word forgiveness, you'll see the glowing heart icon. If you tap on that, it will allow you to download a completely free and private app that contains the Reality Management Worksheet. It contains an abbreviated version of the worksheet process, and it contains a copy of the Dragon Klingon game, which is a wonderful way to introduce these tools to even younger audiences. You can also download a whole host of audio files that shows just like this one, where people have been stepped through the worksheet process, If you choose to listen to those, they can serve as a powerful tutorial for you to help you get the most benefit from these tools in the shortest amount of time possible. We hope people do all of that soon and often because primarily it tends to improve the quality of people's lives the more they apply these tools in their lives. And secondarily, it also tends to prompt comments, questions, answers, and or testimonials. And if you have any of those to share with us, we'd appreciate it if you would do that. Give us a call at 563-999-3581. When you do that, if you press 1 on your phone, it'll put the little icon of a hand by your phone number. I will then turn on the microphone and announce you by your area code, and we can have a conversation. And we appreciate when people do that because it makes it far easier for us to live into our intention with this work the intention we have with this work is to be a service. That's why Michael and Jeannie spend their money and rearrange their schedule five days a week to make this Internet show available and the website available and the app available and the ongoing support for, this, for the effective use of these powerful, effective, efficient, and accessible tools. So, we have plenty of time to, for a conversation. If you would be so kind as to let us know how we can be of support. How is this fitting for you that we've been going through the year before last we did the course in Miracles lessons to start each episode of Mind Shifters Radio. Last year we worked through in a little over a year we worked through the 35 lessons of the Way of Mastery with reading the lessons, and doing commentary. And this year, we've made a commitment to do more reality management worksheets, either live on the air or let people report on them if they've done them between the Internet show sessions, um, and um, support people in either framing out worksheets to do privately on their own or actually do them live with people if they have the interest. So, um, we've also been uh, reading some of the book by Christian Sundberg, and the book is titled A Walk in the Physical. And this is a book by an individual who has a memory of having been conscious, without a body, before coming into physical form. And he has developed his meditation practice to the point where he has tapped into guides or spirit guides or ascended masters or whatever you want to call them, who have um, encouraged him, if not fed him, content of what to write in this book called A Walk in the Physical and um, my short version of what that's about um, and why we would be reading it on Mind Shifters radio is that his awareness his guidance is that we are all here to learn to extend the energy of love in more and more challenging situations and therefore strengthen our capacity to be aware of our true nature in more and more situations. And that's the sum of our reason for being here, and that is... um, what he's hoping to support us in doing as we read his book and or do our own meditation and or have discussions about some of the content of his books. Um, The book is laid out in such a way that uh, there's a bit of a, a summary of what his life experience has been and um and then there's a a series of statements or categories that um that kind of group together by theme the various essays well over a hundred essays that were written or downloaded and um And then there are the essays themselves. So um, one of the things that that I read last we were talking about is that you have the power, essay number 14, and it's talking about how we've been trained or conditioned or fooled into thinking that things happen to us not through us or for us, and that when we choose to focus on something, that's what creates our experience in, in this moment. So if I choose to focus on the violence in the world or the inappropriate politics or what I consider as um, wrong thinking by corporations that are polluting and not you know, spending their money to help the poor, et cetera, If I focus on that, I create more of an experience of that. Now, it's it's very clear, and they say, we understand that those things are going on. I'm not saying to stick my head in the sand and pretend that's not happening. And at the same time those things are happening, life is flowing and extending, people are extending love, extraordinary acts of kindness and love and sacrifice are going on, People are connecting, people are growing, people are healing, and as I choose to focus on one set of circumstances or another, or I choose to focus on a given set of circumstances and interpret it as bad or wrong, I create my experience of life and myself in that moment. And the last two paragraphs in that essay say we are not powerless to our circumstances. And in fact, we are powerful creators who are even able to commit ourselves to the temporary illusion of being powerless. And despite any appearance or temporary illusion, we always have the power to change the stage of the play or to change the focus of our conscious awareness in each new present moment. And the, the invitation is, if you've chosen to believe you're powerless, if you've chosen to focus on the negative more than the positive, the invitation is to choose to focus on the positive, even as you fully acknowledge and allow that you might have identified this in the past as being negative. Your awareness is at the root of it all. Change the momentum of your experience by intentionally choosing what you focus on and how you decide to interpret what happens in your life. You, as consciousness itself, you have that very real power. And it might just be time for you to remember that you do. The next exercise is, or essay is titled, The Treasures Within. And it reads, we are taught to constantly focus outside of ourselves. We have things to do, places to go, bills to pay, appointments to keep, and other people to interact with. we need to eat sleep walk talk and move we think we are our physical bodies and we perceive others as being their physical body we even tend to believe quite firmly that what is most real is that which is outside of us that can be verified by others Yet, through meditation, one begins to get profound glimpses of a much larger truth. All that is taking place in what we call outside of us is in fact taking place inside of us. You are not the objects of your experience that have held your attention for so long. The objects of your experience include both your perception, the physical objects, your thoughts, and your emotions. Rather, the truth is that the objects of your experience are taking place within your awareness. The sense data, the information from your senses that you experience even when others verify what is outside of you, All of that is also taking place with inside of your awareness. When you gently, gradually, quietly, quiet down your physically focused mind self and permit yourself to sink deeply into, quote, capital W-A-T, capital I-S, what is, close quotes when you permit yourself to sink deeply into what truly is in the present moment, you will eventually find, without any effort, that there are treasures within you that go beyond all of the treasures of the physical world and physical form. How remarkable it is that such fantastic treasures go unnoticed by us while we are on earth indeed they often do and yet they do not have to you may choose to take a few moments today to allow yourself to even take just one gentle step towards actually dwelling quietly with your own awareness if you can quiet your thought momentum sufficiently when you least expect it you may just sense the incalculable and unspeakably precious treasures that are, in fact, within you. The next essay is titled Original Sinlessness. This essay strikes at the heart of what many of us who've been raised in a religious tradition have been taught as original sin, that we're damaged, that we're broken, that we're unlovable, that we need to be saved and rescued by some outside force. This title is Original Sinlessness. Sometimes when people are trying to communicate the essence of this essay, they say, how about, let's talk about original blessing, original holiness, original wholeness. This essay reads, We are fundamentally beings of freedom and love. We are not born into a sinful world, I read that incorrectly. We are not born into the world as sinful, meaning in any way opposed to or separated from our Creator or the flow of life or what many call God. In fact, we can never escape being connected to the flow of life or our Creator or what many call God. For that which many call God is our very root and nature and nothing in creation exists apart from it him or her apply a gender to it if you wish these experiences these energies these existences these truths transcend physical body and gender and the human mind which is why it's so difficult to have any kind of a conversation about this because we have to use the language that was created by the people who are living in the culture that have been conditioned to believe this, this, and this is true when none of it's real in an absolute sense. So the essay goes on and says, in fact... We have come into the world for the very purpose of making hard, messy choices within a set of constraints that permit us to experimentally, experientially learn to operate lovingly within that hard, messy environment. We are encouraged to use free will in order to grow and participate in creation. The creation is aware that we make choices. The creation does not punish us for the choices we make, even if those choices would seem to be harmful to others. Punishment is not needed. As countless thousands of near-death experiencers tell us, after our life, we will inevitably experience a life review process in which we will come to understand and actually feel the full effect of the choices and the impact that our choices have had on ourselves and others. And with that full clarity, we will be able to make a judgment about ourselves. We will be able to choose differently the next time, if we so desire. Also, importantly, the flow of creation, all that is, life, love, God, etc., exists as loving wisdom and has set out certain, quote, universal laws, close quote, with the ways in which all this flow of energy and consciousness and personalities etc the way they operate so all of that naturally and inevitably can be used to guide us in growing toward feeling being aware of and extending love in each new present moment more and more especially under those circumstances which would tend to pull us out of it or make it more challenging, just like lifting heavier and heavier weights in the gymnasium helps us build muscle or practicing a complex skill multiple times a day, day after day for months and years makes us far better activating at participating in that skill the essay goes on and says some may say that sinful and narcissistic nature of man is evident and yet narcissism is no more than a natural consequence of a yet undeveloped spirit that is seeking to make choices within challenging constraints We talk about this all the time. It's not possible for a human being to do something harmful to another human being unless that human being is running from their own internal pain, fear, or sadness. That same wisdom is contained in this statement. Narcissism is no more than the natural consequence of a yet undeveloped spirit seeking to make choices within challenging constraints and the constraints of existing as a human on earth are very significant indeed. Ego, defined as the erection of self-protective justifications, beliefs, and identity, ego is no more than a great castle of illusion built by the individual to protect him or herself from facing their own fear. A person who acts narcissistically is acting from ego and from fear. They do so because their spirit has not grown up enough to make the more loving and fearless choice within their current history and constraint set. Not because they're inherently bad or separated from the flow of life or love or God in any way. When my children are whining or fighting, I do not think, what, sinful, selfish people. Rather, I see joyous and loving beings who are befuddled by a situation. We, as adults, are not much different. Our ego structures and beliefs may be complex, or they may be well-adjusted, And they may be built high over a lifetime, but beneath it all, we too are beings of light and love. I misread part of that. It said our ego structures and beliefs may be complex and well justified and built high over time. And those are ego structures, which means they are fear-based structures which means they are part of the illusion of separation. And it says, and beneath it all, we too are beings of light and love. The thought about original sin, then, is a myth. The truth is original sinlessness, followed by very real conscious beings making very tough choices in a very real simulation called the physical incarnation. Original sin is simply a concept made up by men. As a matter of fact, there were a lot of years in um, the, the, the Catholic-slash-Christian-slash-Bible culture in which the concept of original sin didn't exist. You, you couldn't find it in the Bible. And I may have this somewhat wrong, but I have been told by people who study this, and I've read this in several books, that Augustus was a a, a person, or St. Augustine, was a person who had Augustine of Hippo, who had... um, quite a bit of difficulty controlling his own human impulses. And in the third century, so we're talking about, you know, in the 200s, a couple hundred years after Jesus was supposed to have been through his life experience in the physical. August Augustine of Hippo was the first author to use the phrase original sin. And in the councils of Carthage he argued for them to be included in the documents, the official documents, the canon law of the church. They weren't there before. But it was a very powerful way to explain how he, who wanted to be good and do good, kept acting in a way that was harmful to others or was outside of his vows or whatever. And these were just men meeting in a council voting on what they should include or not include in those books that are accepted by the church in the bible but for the first couple hundred years there was you know the teachings from the gospel of mary magdalene the scrolls that came out from that The partial scrolls, what they do have in those scrolls, there are clearly stated three things that the apostles, including Mary Magdalene, got from Yeshua. And those three statements were, number one, there is no such thing as sin the way you talk about it. Number two, heaven is within you. It's not outside of you. And number three, make no rules or laws other than what Yeshua had already talked about. Well, you can't create a church and demand people come to you in order to get access to God and demand that they give you control over their genitals and their money and their dietary habits, etc., as Michael talks about, unless you say, hey, wait a minute, you're damaged and broken, you need salvation. The salvation is through Yeshua or Jesus, and we are the we are the doorkeepers. We are the ones who have the power to condemn you or forgive you or absolve you of your sinfulness, etc. So this essay that says original sinlessness is going back before, you know, a couple hundred years before the, the concept of original sin made it into the Christian slash Catholic canon Gospels. It's just mind-boggling. The more we study and read this stuff outside of what the religions teach, when we, when we study the actual origins of the history and what's documented about the human beings who created the religions, not the human beings who've been great spiritual teachers, but the ones who followed those spiritual teachers who took that message and because of their own woundedness and because of their desire to have control, distorted the message. It's just amazing how far from loving and wide open and honest and accepting and gentle, how far from all of those things most religions have moved. So again, uh, I'll just remind people, we have plenty of time for a conversation, 563-999-3581. If you call that number and press 1, occasionally when I look up from my reading, I look over at the switchboard and I will see that a hand has been raised by your phone number, and I'll turn on the microphone and announce you by your area code. The next essay in this list is titled, You Are Where You Are. And it reads, You do not need to be hard on yourself for being where you are. You are whatever you become. You are at an okay place right now. And the universe understands fully why you got to where you are. You made a lot of choices to get here. Both those you remember and many that you do not. And it is okay that you made those choices. Simultaneously, sometimes spiritual growth is only possible when we recognize where we have failed. In response to our fear and the negative self-perceptions that we have brought or bought into over the course of our lifetimes, in response to that, We commonly tell ourselves stories about why we are worthy or justified. In fact, we've always been worthy and justified. None of the stories are required. Meanwhile, those stories often prevent us from seeing where, in fact, we could be more loving. We can become blind to where we need to grow when we think that we're already grown up. Being both totally okay with where you are and also simultaneously aware of your shortcomings requires a profound amount of both full self-love and humility. Now, humility, I want to hasten to put out a definition for humility that comes from the ancient Aramaic that is about recognizing that we are all the same. You aren't better or worse than anybody, and no one is better or worse than you. The way Michael Rice talks about this from the ancient Aramaic translations is humility is the gift, it's the talent, it's the skill of being able to look for and see the highest and best in another and then choose to cooperate only with that regardless of the pain, fear, or sadness-driven behaviors that might be coming from that person. So being both totally okay with where you are and also simultaneously aware of your shortcomings requires a profound amount of self-love and humility. Self-love and humility are not opposites. We can and should develop both simultaneously. In other words, self-acceptance self-awareness, awareness of your true nature as love, and being aware that everyone you interact with, regardless of what behaviors are coming from them, they are the same. Their highest and best is the same as your highest and best. Their true nature is that they were created in the flow of creation or that they've always been consciousness as you are. They are a spark of the same light, And so being aware of your true nature as love and being aware that everyone you interact with has the same fundamental nature, these things are not opposite. The path for undoing the egoic blocks, the the egoic rationalizations, to seeing that is a complex and very personal journey The things that make you think you're better or worse than somebody else may be different than the things that make me feel I'm better or worse than somebody else. And my unraveling that may be different than yours. But the core truth is the same for all of us. The essay goes on and says, Yet wherever you are, you can choose to allow yourself today to recognize that it is okay that you are where you are, no matter what the circumstances you find yourself in. Accepting ourselves by accepting our circumstances and our part in those circumstances is a powerful step toward lasting peace. The idea that we dismantle our rationalizations for doing or being or treating somebody else as less than love or as less than ourselves is rooted very, very solidly in the third lesson of the way of mastery. And it says, you know, anger is never justified. And it comes back very quickly and says, it doesn't mean that you won't feel it. The actual quote on page 30 in the top of that page says, I say unto you, anger is never justified. It does not mean that you will not experience it. But stop fooling yourself into believing that there is some validity to it. When someone has broken into your home and taken your stereo equipment or some other idol that you love, what if you understood in that moment that you had the power to remember that all events are neutral? Every event simply presents you with an opportunity to choose love. What if you literally chose the insane way, according to your world, it's insane, the way of looking upon that that person who has just done that act, look upon them as a brother or sister, a being of brilliance and light who's either temporarily forgotten or yet to discover their brilliance as a brother or sister who is crying out for help and healing what if you chose to look upon them as one who does not know how to live in this world without being of this world who does not know the way to self forgiveness who does not know that the truth of the light that lives within them is available to them in each new present moment one who does not recognize their great power to create whatever they want in a way that's not hurtful to anyone what if you chose to look upon them with compassion rather than reactivity if you do that your anger will not be generated or if you began by generating anger and you step back into that the anger will be dissipated and the freedom that you have access to that comes from refusing to justify your anger goes beyond words each new heartbeat. So, 563-999-3581. If you call that number and press 1, we can have a conversation. How does this strike you? Skipping one essay and moving on to essay 19, it says, The Author of Duality is the title of this one and it reads, all the experiences of individual perspective, and in fact, all experiences of duality, and duality means experiences of contrast, like up versus down, hot versus cold, etc. All of these exist within the larger reality of consciousness that contains everything. All individual perspectives and all cause and effect events and choices that led to them are all quote accounted for close quotes within that great awareness absolutely everything is known and accounted for and yet that great awareness is not simply a sum and a total of the individual perspectives it is a potent living consciousness That far exceeds the sum of its parts from an individual perspective within a dualistic universe such as ours we simply cannot grasp what that means in the way of mastery it said clearly several times throughout the 35 lessons if I commit myself to learning if I constantly ask to be shown For the rest of eternity I will never be able to comprehend all that life is all that love is all that the Creator is I can learn more and more about it all day every day and I'll never know it all especially within the confines of what I can comprehend through my conscious logical mind and through the language that I've been taught. So, the concepts that we create to create a sense of separation and duality and up and down and good and bad and right and wrong and light and dark, these things are all contained within consciousness itself from an individualized perspective within a dualistic universe such as ours we simply cannot grasp what this means all that is god light love consciousness itself as the author of duality is beyond all of that so we cannot define all of him it them she we cannot define all of consciousness from within consciousness or from within that duality let's state it differently it is impossible to describe source the source of everything with the earthly dualistic intellect the same intellect That you and I are using right now the same kinds of language that you and I are using right now since form cannot describe the formless God light love all that is as the author of form is beyond description fortunately however the spirit of which we are primarily comprised does exist beyond duality It is a part of God, of light, of love, of all that is, of consciousness itself. Your earthly personality, steeped high in the experience of duality, may not remember your true nature, but because your spirit is irrevocably part of all creation, God, light, love, all that is, You do fundamentally transcend the duality just as your creator does, just as all that is does. It's okay then when you wish to let every single thing in your life go. Let it go. Relinquish your death grip on forms and responsibilities and ideas and simply allow yourself to be fully present, exposed, open, honest, and surrendered to the current moment. God, the great author, light, love, all it is, is always there. So this last paragraph, this is why I jumped to this essay, so this last paragraph is going to stir a lot of gunk and a lot of pots. It is okay then, whenever you wish, to let every single thing in your life go to relinquish your death grip on forms, to relinquish your death grip on responsibilities, relinquish your death grip on ideas, and simply allow yourself to be fully present, wide open, deeply, fundamentally, radically honest, and radically self-accepting, and Surrendered to be taught by the current moment, by life, by love, in the current moment. It is perfectly okay for you to relinquish your grip on everything that is in form. as the way of mastery says, everything that's birthed in time ends in time. And nothing that is birthed in time is your true nature. So, that's all I'm going to read for today. We have some time for comments and questions. Area code 610, I believe. The spinning wheel is... There it is, Susan.
3: (laughs) As usual, yeah, that last thing was the clinching thing that you just read. I've been thinking about power. Listened to to the essay number 14 last night and also read it. And it seems as if the only way we can have true power is to be completely what you said at the end, give up everything and be open which means being vulnerable because we are invulnerable and the only way we can be vulnerable is to be invulnerable i mean to to
2: so so then that that double speak gets hard that double speak gets hard so the way i go around it is vulnerable implies that you can be hurt but the core of these teachings say that your essence can't be hurt so instead right. of talking about being hurt or not being hurt, if we use good regulatory speech, we say you're whole and complete, you're safe in each new present moment and you can be wide open.
0: Yeah. And
2: wide open is what they imply by being vulnerable, being out there letting people see your true nature, letting yourself see the truth about you. So i get away from the vulnerable invulnerability thing by talking about safety which Mm -hmm. is the same as invulnerable can't be hurt you're completely safe and then for the vulnerable word i just say wide open
0: good good
2: because if i'm closed off in any way it implies my belief that i could be hurt and i need to protect myself there's nothing that needs protecting In your true nature there's nothing you need to close off about it is perfectly okay to be wide open and as it says in this last reading to let go of your attachment to your death grip on anything to do with form or your beliefs about yourself
3: or anything else yep
2: so (sighs) I didn't mean to cut you off but I wanted to help clarify that cycle of vulnerable invulnerable that spin
3: Right, that was fine. You weren't doing, you weren't interrupting in a way that was in in any way harmful or anything. I did your assignment about thinking what the word power means and I should say the, the outcome was only that I've been misusing the word power in my mind for a long time, even though it's in itself, not a bad word, but being having, having power means just agency, wholeness, health, uh, pers- proper perspective, if there is such a thing. But there were so many negative things, and so that you so had connected go, to it. hmm Yeah, force, might, privilege, control, lording it over other people. Uh, using others, being mean, being cruel, having a superiority complex, using others, abusing others, rich versus poor, running roughshod over people, using too much strength and muscle to control other people. Holy mackerel, no wonder I didn't want
2: to have power
3: because it was just, it would be...
2: Associated know, too in your people. mind with all those negatives.
3: Yeah. So, but what you were just saying about giving up everything, I'm thinking if I can give up one thing, could I give up one thing? And, of course, the one thing at the moment is our tenant downstairs. And can I give up knowing what's going to happen, give up knowing what's happening, what his wishes and behaviors, and what anything means at all? Because eventually something's going to happen. Somebody's going to move or we will move. I mean, Tim and I, I could see us going to a an assisted living place before Michael leaves. I mean, that could be. That could be. Would that be bad? I have these layers and layers of things that would be bad or not bad. And when I look at them, they sort of dissipate. Nothing's really bad. Nothing's really good or nothing's really anything to go right into that. So it's been a very good exercise. That doesn't mean I still don't have that those moments where I you know the old old thoughts come in and I as as that other essay said so well you can be fully aware of all of that stuff but you're just not turned in that direction or however he put it you're choosing something else. I love that because that's like making sure you're not in denial of anything that may be stirring. I'm kind, of going, I'm kind of going off at the mouth. I'm not making much sense, I guess. But <clears throat> anyway.
2: Well, the, the, the big thing is that, that you did this work to uncover the negative meanings that you had attached to the word power. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, what what's the shift? What freedom or liberty does that bring to you now? If you've you've changed the word links or the associations that you have attached to the word power, what new options do you have for interacting in the moment? Or even uh, allowing and interpreting these lessons and essays from Christian Sundberg's book differently.
3: I don't know if I'm there yet because what I've been doing is not using the word power. I'm substituting other words that I feel are better words because the word power has been contaminated in my mind on so many levels. So I'm using the word agency, wholeness, completeness, and all within a frame of allowing and choosing to be loving i haven't really gotten rid of the negative meanings of the word power our, our okay, government is so but, full of but that's a wonderful people.
2: place to start <laughs> but that's a wonderful place to start because it allows you to experiment with entertain or accept some of the um, observations that are being made in this book so that you can learn, mm-hmm. experience it differently. Yeah. That's a powerful bit of work for you. So congratulations. Yeah, we oh,
3: <laughs> thanks Dr.
0: Tim.
2: What's what's the chuckle for there in the thanks?
0: Oh, embarrassment!
3: Are, are you, you know, are you having
2: are you having a hard time accepting that that's a powerful a powerful piece of work?
3: Yeah. Um, right, you've just uncovered another. You know, uh, hard to accept compliments. I have embarrassment. I don't deserve this. Shut up about it. Enough already. That sort of thing.
2: Okay. Well.
3: I appreciate it, but really, it,
2: I mean, <laughs> I, I would, I would encourage you to to look at it as a description. Okay. Not a compliment. Oh, oh, Susan, okay. you're so much better than the other callers who haven't pressed one and said or done this or that. That's got <laughs> nothing to do with this. This is just the recognition that you were stuck. Remember how you were talking yeah. yesterday about sharing with another woman who, you know, what yeah. some of your core issues are, and then she shared some of her core issues, and she laughed at yours, and you would laugh at hers, and whatever. Yeah. We're all yeah. in this together. Yeah, this isn't saying, "Oh, you are so much better than anybody else." This is just saying, "Hey, look, you were headed down this path that's going to lead to that, and giving you these consequences, and you just made a turn onto a path that's going to bring you consequences you prefer." Well, just yeah. acknowledge that.
3: Right, that's true, and I had a real insight too, as when I, when I. Was what I thought was powerful and strong as a little kid in at home. One of my mom's phrases was, "Who do you think you are? You're not that (laughs) person." (laughs) And I'm thinking, you know where that comes from?
0: You
2: know know where that comes from? No. No. A wounded adult. A wounded adult.
0: Hmm.
3: Oh, Yeah. I, and another thing that happened, which was a product of this, was I was talking to my daughter yesterday, who is a very powerful priest dean of a cathedral, and yet she was she was like my two parts, but played out. She was powerful in her work, much admired, um, and good as an administrator, too. Raised a lot of money for the cathedral and set up housing for um, homeless people. And She's talked about sending Michael down there, and that may be what we do. But anyway, she has this – we used to call her the queen. This is her word for herself when she was little, the queen of the Massachusetts. We lived in Newton in western massachusetts and she called herself the queen of the massachusetts and she bounced off the couch with her superman cape on and i loved that part of her and she's in full queen of the massachusetts mode but as a married woman she would go home and be a different person she was frightened of her husband she would do everything she could to make his way smooth never knowing when he was going to blow a gasket. He didn't protect her kids. She mainly was focus, focusing on keeping him happy to the expense of herself and her kids, and to which and she regrets this very much. But I asked her, how did you learn how to be a powerful priest? And she said, well, Mom, at home you were one person, but when you were teaching or running rehearsals, I saw that, and you were just centered and uncomplicated and sure of your stuff, and I said, that's that's what I'm going to be. And I, I was amazed that she was watching. You know, the whole thing was not conscious to me at all. It was like a different ego state. Anyway, this all came about because of your saying to look, <laughs> look into the word power, and it's 1 o'clock, and I know you have to switch over.
2: All right well um, everything that you just said boils down to what we were talking about yesterday and then earlier today we're all the same we all have those Mm. kinds of blind spots all have amazing strengths some of us have stepped into them some of them haven't some of us haven't but um, thank you again for your comments and questions and listening along and doing your own work And I will mute you so you can listen into the second hour. I will remind us all that we come from love. We're made of the stuff we call love. We actually are love, and everything else is false. Welcome, Jeannie Rice. Thank
1: you, Dr. Kim. I appreciate it. You're
2: very welcome and deserving. Have a wonderful show.
1: Thanks. So, Welcome, everybody, to the second hour of MindShifters Radio. Seems like my uh, technical technological challenges have corrected themselves today, I'm thankful, 2023. And their calling number is 563-999-3581. And press 1 and that puts you into queue to talk to us. And we'd love to hear your comments and questions because that makes this your show. And I see we already have a hand up. I believe it's Ms. Linda. I'm going to turn on your microphone. Michael will be with us here in just a moment. Welcome, Linda. Hello, Ms. Linda. Maybe your hand's just left over from Dr. Tim, or maybe your mute challenged. I've been there. I'll leave you on for just a second and see. Ms. Linda. Put it on the nightstand.
4: I put it Hello, Celinda. Yeah. Hello, Celinda.
1: Hey. Yeah, <laughs> Did you mean to press well?
4: Yes, I did. I'm sorry, and I meant to have mute on, too. Just a minute. Oh. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, this is a tiny house. Who is this, Jeannie?
1: Yeah. This is Jeannie. Great. Yeah, Michael will be on here in just a second, but I saw your hand was up, so I thought I'd go ahead and turn it on and say hey. <laughs> and I don't know if yes. you were um, on the other day. When when i mentioned that we had gotten your card and that aria was excited so mm-hmm. no but i, I was like thank had you yeah. yeah
4: oh how right. exciting
1: how sweet i'm yeah. really glad
4: she
1: we didn't have her yesterday yeah. or today she's under the weather so send love i know how that is
4: so are we, yeah, but it's, it's going not around. because we don't feel good. It's because we are definitely yeah. under the weather right now. Oh, anyway. <laughs> well, it's Michael's been with rainy. Us now, so if you had a question, go for it. Yeah. Actually, I had a comment or a uh, sharing, if that would be helpful. Go, go for, for it.
5: it. We'll find out. Okay.
4: Um, I was going to share this with Dr. Tim and Susan, but Susan and Dr. Tim were on a very important role, so I um, I wanted them to continue it anyway because I wanted to listen in. But this is for Susan. She was uh, talking about how power was basically a trigger word for her, and I know that one very well because I feel like Susan and I are Tweedledee and Tweedledum. One took one road, the other took the other. And I uh, still learned from her and her exchanges with you and, and Tim. I, um, when I was uh, reading uh, Carolyn Mace and her uh, The Anatomy of the Spirit, um, she had a little principle for the heart chakra, I believe it was. And that principle, or might have been the sixth chakra, and that principle was that love is the only true power, and the the purest power there is, something to that effect. And so at that moment, not at that moment, during that time that I was studying uh, her information, I realized that... I had been using control. I had been using the definition of control for the word power. And once I um, sorted, made the distinction between the two, I got a lot more clarity. That power has nothing to do with, true power has nothing to do with control. And so I thought I'd share that in case that was helpful for Susan or anybody else.
1: Michael, if you're talking, we're not hearing you. Cool.
5: (laughs) Yes, there
2: is only one.
5: It's interesting. There's a statement out of Unity that says, there's only one presence and one power in the universe enacted in my (laughs) life, and that is love. That's it. Beautiful. That is the presence. That is the power. Was interesting. I uh, I had come across a uh, a link to a presentation done by astronomer Carl Sagan called "The Lost Interview." If you want to look it up, and uh, it, it's really helpful to know how the mind works. Carl Sagan's really well admired, and I've you know saw quite a bit of his stuff and really enjoyed it over the years. But uh, in this one, basically, he drags down everything human, like even compares uh, a a scientist who spent time in in his term studying with an ape to try to learn something that an ape was doing and the inadequacy of that Uh, human effort. And, you know, basically just accept, accept that he starts out with talking about how well scientists back in the beginning, you know, even in the very earliest stages, we had scientists and scientists. And, and he goes through and he compares humans to rocks, you know, like we're no better than rocks. but And, and the idea is that we're all trying to be superior, but but we're not. And uh, his end end result is it's only scientists that are superior. And, of course, he's a scientist. So it's interesting to just watch the the mechanism of the mind and how it operates. And there's an interesting video, uh, an interview that I just also came across recently from uh, Mike Wallace. You might remember Mike Wallace from, I think he was with CBS. And back in 1956, he did an interview with Ayn Rand. And I lament the number of people who've been damaged and harmed by following uh this woman whose you know basic philosophy was, "I am it each one of us the I has gotta take care of themselves and take with everybody else basically self centered and uh, uh just the the whole philosophy, and then once again recognizing you know here's somebody who's working from a power-person dynamic of harm and hurt, and uh, so willing to stand on mental and intellectual energy and information that ignores the truth about how one's own mind even works. So just just interesting to have Yeshua's perspective on the mind and on stress and how to, uh, how to understand how it all comes together and uh, ignoring that power that is behind it all. As you're saying, love, that's it. Well, any other thoughts for you today, young lady?
4: Yes, I have a couple more. I always have a couple more, Michael. Go for it. <laughs> and, and it's um, it's exactly in that wording of thoughts from the time I was teeny tiny I was forced into my conscious brain which wasn't even developed yet because my mom left her heart whole intention was to make me acceptable to the family and how I had to be acceptable to the family was to shoehorn me into this nine bit mind that I didn't even have developed yet. And so I have lived from this nine-bit mind all of my life, and I'm very grateful because this nine-bit mind has brought me to the portal. Um, I'm very grateful that spirit was active all the time. I'm very grateful that I basically have a very loving heart, and um, I've gone through a lot of spiritual paths, to get where I am today. And just the other day, I have been, as I mentioned to you before, um, a very good friend of mine has been encouraging me to go to a Vipassana 10-day retreat, and COVID knocked that one out. When we tried it once, she was going to go with me, and I'm on – Uh, She and her partner are ready to move to Argentina. She's a very dear friend of mine, uh, same age as my son. So she's going to try to go to this next Vipassana retreat that's happening on the 31st of May. And um, it's a bilingual one. Um, And uh, preference is going to be to bilingual people. I'm number 17th on the waiting list, and it starts on May 31st. And I would really like to go. At the same time, I'm holding my breath. And the point of all this uh, little sketch is to let you know that a couple of days ago, I got a very strong message that I was to be into learning how to meditate because I've resisted that all my life because my mind has run the show all, them, all my life, my conscious nine-bit mind. So if you could hold me up in that because that is where I am supposed to put the major focus in my energy and then um, to use that as a springboard for when I need to do a worksheet and so, I hope that you will because the worksheet tends to throw me down the rabbit hole, literally throws me back into my nine bit brain and i don't under- I don't expect anybody else to understand this um I just realized from that message that I got really clearly that um it is to take its cues from what I learned. By this practice of learning meditation And what it means and how it evolves for me So I wanted to share that with you Because I appreciate you and Jeannie, Dr. Kim, so much And I wanted to include you in my journey, so to speak Of support, being my support team And so I share that with you now This is the present moment, aha, revelation for me individually and uh, any comments and sharings that you feel. I definitely. What kind of retreat was it? The the Vipassana Vipassana retreat. Mm -hmm.
5: It's a 10-day silent uh,
4: retreat. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and it's going to push every button in my button box. (laughs) (laughs) I think I shared with you I'm pretty much – vegan now except for eggs and maybe an occasional tuna fish sandwich. And um this reoccurring UTI that I've been having for over a year is now disappearing of its own cord. And um I was shown uh reminded actually of the fact that I do not do well on high purine diets. And uh <laughs> The meat and the fish, especially, um, were triggers for all that. And once I started realizing and experiencing that inner wisdom, my body wisdom, and started evolving towards uh, a more vegetable-based the, 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 the vegetable diet, <clears throat> again, I always was high in it but I was also using the protein products because of the outer authorities that keep pounding away at us. And and I had been taught so well to follow the outer authorities and keep myself in confusion because it's very confusing out there with all the conflicting opinions.
5: (laughs) Of course, something out there now, am I hearing you say something out there, causes your confusion?
4: Oh, no. Yes.
5: No, that's
4: not true. (laughs) (laughs) But I did uh, forget (laughs) in this moment. It's languaging. Languaging takes just as much practice as everything else to language in a way that really um, speaks to the person of the essence of what they're trying to share. Yeah. Yeah. I allow it. definitely key yeah definitely. And each one of us has our own unique way of languaging, and maybe that's why it's so important to get a common grounded accepting definition before someone even begins to communicate.
0: <laughs>
4: this means because so many of my arguments with other people have were smoke years because once I sat down and got sane again, I realized. Oh they're just using different words.
5: Yeah. Well, we'll hold the space for you to uh be successful in the Vipassana retreat and be out of your mind. That's cool. I love that's it. that's important stuff. I mean, that's where healing happens. You know when when you recognize and you know much of the uh, the journey that we're taking with this work is uh, intellectual in its ori- orientation, but it's not intellectual for the purpose of the intellect. It's intellectual for the purpose of getting the intellect to shut up, because once it asks its first question, it doesn't quit until it gets its last answer. Once you've got the answers oh. to some of those questions that keep language and keep the mind going then the mind can go oh okay now I can be quiet and it's in that space that's uh real healing we really move to the next level like being out of your and mind and that's the practice of meditation for sure but make sure to take a- forgiveness along with you
4: oh for sure And that's a challenge also because when you go to that retreat, you take nothing with you. They take your cell phone away. You're not supposed to do anything but the meditation. Mm -hmm. And I'll probably have my fingernails bitten off to the elbows. (laughs) No, just kidding. (laughs) Um, But anyway, uh, my awareness that's evolving is that I need to go through the subconscious mind to get to sanity. And since my conscious mind has such a grip, can I please go in the servant's door <laughs> to get to this? In other words, backwards, and then mm. most people. There's a wonderful Tolstoy quote that I had on my refrigerator 50 years ago, and I haven't been able to locate it. But he basically what he said. He was such a giant. He and Dostoevsky were like the two different approaches to reaching their unity. Uh, and his was he used his intellect all the way until he came to a place where it didn't work, and that's when he could let go. And it's beautiful. Got to get like, the mind to shut up. Is, right. And then yeah. he got to the portal, and it was all those steps he took in between. They weren't wrong. They were his individual, unique process. And he got to the portal, and he was able to say, my mind can't take me anymore. I have to surrender. And isn't that what the best scientists do and how they make Give their most amazing discovery? Yeah. Like what was the... Um, RNA DNA helix was was um, it just popped in the scientist's mind who'd been struggling with it for years and years and years when he stepped into a rain puddle <laughs> he had he had to let it go and it was like he had finally let it go he just went and just said I, I give up and then that's how so I notice the story.
5: yeah. So notice the whole idea of the forgiveness process is that you caps, me, collapse the uh-huh. intellectual mind by recognizing yeah. what it is that drives it, and you process through all of its noise, so it will shut up, and then you're in actuality. There's where the answers are. Well, yeah. we'll hold the space for you to have an awesome retreat, and it works out, and then you get to go and. And,
4: uh, yeah, and we'll and hear
5: back from you on 17th. May the 18th on how it went.
4: Oh, well, it's all in, in Rucha's hands and uh, Creator's hands uh, um, because I'm willing to go. And I'm number 17, and it's going to look miraculous from the outside eyes. <laughs> I go. Cool. <laughs> but that's cool. All right. I love you guys. All
5: right. Blessings. Take care.
4: All right, bye-bye.
2: Bye. So, Miss Jeannie,
5: do we have anybody in the phone queue with a hand up or anything happening in the chat room?
1: It is all quiet on this one. If someone has a question, press 1. If you're on a different station and we can't see you, dial 563. Nine 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 three five eight one and press one. Oh, Susan's hand just went up. This one's are On the air. Hey.
5: Well Welcome.
4: Thanks. This is totally well it always is,
3: totally utilitarian. I need some advice. And you're the one to come to because you'll probably have some breakthrough idea that hasn't occurred to me yet.
5: Okay, well, so, let's go for it and see what happens.
3: All right. My middle boy, grandson, my daughter's boy, to go down to Jacksonville to his younger brother's high school reunion. And the whole family is going, and he should be there too. And it would be great to have him, we hope. However, he is not convinced that he is sober And so she said, you know, I'd love to have you here, but I'm going to test you every day uh, while you're here to make sure you're not using. And she did that with her older boy, Luke. And Luke is in great shape. That was part of her Al-Anon instruction is to set a boundary, be tough, but be loving. Well, anyway, Jacob has gone ballistic. And he says that she is insulting him, and of course he's sober, and how could she do that, and she's abusive. He's blowing all these words. And I'm saying to him, Jacob, I trust that you are sober. You've told me you're sober. I believe you. And so why don't you go down there and let her test you? What's the big deal? And so that's the argument. He's just terribly insulted And I picture that if he does go down there and allow himself to be tested, that there's going to be a lot of drama and maybe some serious chaos because he is still doing what people who are using are doing, even if he isn't using. And I really have no idea, but I've chosen to be the trusting grandmother. And so we're at this impasse and he even sent me a little printout of something that he thinks he has in the way of a diagnosis. It's called pathological demand avoidance. PDA. Have you heard of it, Michael?
5: No, that's a new one. But certainly resistance to control. I, I would. Uh, I'd call RTC resistance to control. <laughs>
3: Right. Well, the definition... Nobody is, is
5: going to tell me what to do.
3: He says it's a pattern of behavior in which kids go to extremes to avoid or ignore anything they perceive as a demand. It's most, most often seen in people with autism, he added. Well, whatever it is, and he thinks he's on the spectrum. He is basically trying to explain why he's resistant. But there's always this loose screw in there, which is, well, are you sober? You know, and he's making up all, he's going bananas and holding a position that he really doesn't need to hold he says if she knew me she would know that i am sober she shouldn't have to test me my bra my mother should be able to tell especially based on how often and how much i use when i'm using i don't look the same i don't sound the same and i don't act the same i'm completely zombified i don't know what that means it's not necessary to treat me like i'm 16 again Or in rehab, it makes her feel in control, makes me feel, makes me feel, you get that language, yeah, that my autonomy has been stripped away. Her need to feel powerful and safe, even though I have never been a danger to anyone, even once in my life, makes me feel powerless and unsafe. I will feel tempted to use. It is dangerous, destructive, reckless, and unwise. You see how he's just bawling and blowing and blowing. And yes I don't know how to to find him.
5: Well, so my I, offering I think, would be
3: yeah, I did write back to him, and mm-hmm. if oh, it's okay I'll I'll, re- I'll read that and see if that's anywhere what you were going to say. First, I said, any chance you could get your brother Luke as an advocate for you, perhaps he could convince your mom that you're clean i don't I think Lukey he thinks he's using too, but this is another angle. And then I add, perhaps he could convince your mom you're clean. Another thought, when you talk about politics and go around and around and around, not without good reason, or when you get short with your mom, or when you talk a lot without remembering that she is massively busy, she might end up feeling that you are using, because I think she associates thoughtfulness, gentleness, loving kindness, etc., with sobriety. Luke used to blow up at her a lot when drinking, and she says he is more responsible about his own affairs and kinder now that now that he's sober. And my point is that Jacob isn't acting sober. He could prove he's sober by behaving better. And maybe that's more bad stuff. But anyway, that's what I said.
5: Well, it sounds like a battle of wills, but What I think I'd be inclined to have a conversation with him about is, so you're sober, so you're not using any substances. No, no substances. And then perhaps inform him that hostility is a substance, that hostility is an addiction, and he's not sober because he's still using it. He uses it at every turn, and that may be his primary addiction. So if he really wants to proclaim that he's sober, then he's going to free himself from that internally generated anesthetic. And there's an interesting film out there you've heard me talk about it before. It's called Thank You for Sharing. Yeah. You might suggest that he watch Thank You for Sharing and it's a story mm-hmm. about several different addicts and mm-hmm. their dance together with sobriety. And mm-hmm. the the point if you help him build the brain cells before he watches it, is that each character in the film is going to, at some point, fall off the wagon. And what okay. they portray so powerfully is that the last drug that each of them uses before they go to their, the drug they're attempting to be sober from is hostility.
0: Oh, and so
5: perhaps okay. a challenge that notice that you can get a high and, you know, listen to all the conversation you generate out of your hostility. It's just another drug. So now I'm going to really challenge you to be sober, and that means that you're going to speak to your mother like a human being. And this hostility, like any other drug, you know, we know the alcoholic, no, you can't take a drink, or it's the slippery slope. You're going to be back. That's kind of yeah. the general principle, of course, of AA or NA. And mm-hmm. my offering is the same thing applies to hostility. It's like he's got to stop being a user. So that oh, might challenge steady. him on a new level and yeah. lead to some conversations that are not as abusive when he goes off and gets gets drunk on hostility.
3: I have spoken to him about his hostility, and he says, I am not abusive and I am not hostile. I am defending myself from her abuse. This <laughs> yeah. turning around goes on constantly. So I've got to get well, under that. Well, that's the, uh, the, the yeah. trick
5: of the addicted mind. The trick of the addicted mind is blame. Somebody yeah. else is to blame for the fact that I'm using. I wouldn't be using it if it weren't for you. See, it's all your fault. Oh, You're no. the guilty party. I'm just an innocent victim.
2: I <laughs> mean, you yeah. can watch
5: that in politics. You can watch it in just about any attic going.
3: Yeah, that's very,
5: very, very good advice, Michael.
3: That is just right feels, on. Yeah,
5: and if he feels like he can't deal with that, then maybe best he let the need to attend the graduation go?
3: Oh, yeah, I've I've said, you know, Boone, it sounds as if you probably shouldn't go. You'd be much happier just... We could Zoom talk with you and visit, and maybe you could watch it in a film. We could film it for you. How about that? You stay home with your cat. You don't have to travel all that way. No, I want to be there. And I said, well, second idea, how about you stay with a friend so you don't have to be tested? You could come in during the day, but you're not living there, and she won't test you. No, I want to be right in my house. Well, what is that? What's going on? You know, all these reasonable suggestions. He's like going in with all his guns blaring. Yeah. Well, guns that's blare? the
5: hostility addict.
3: Yeah. Yeah. He's going to prove something. He's going to be right. Oh, anyway, thank you. That's very helpful. Just to present that to him, that hostility is a substance, too. That is so good.
5: Thank you. And that film... That film is a powerful portrayal. I don't know whether they did it purposely or not, but each time you can see by the level of hostility in a person's voice and actions how close they are to falling off the wagon, and each one of them as they become more and more hostile, and that's not enough to hide their pain from themselves. Bingo, that's when they go to the to the alcohol yeah. or the drug, what have you.
3: Mhm. I always want to stay close to Jacob insofar as... Starting conversations with something that will disarm him in one way or another. Like, I I do know how you feel. That is so hard. And you had a very bad time during this time or other. And if I soften him up around the edges, sometimes we get a little farther in our discussion. It's quite manipulative of me, but it's really my my true intent is to keep in contact with the guy, not just yeah. to move him.
2: Well,
5: that's what's needed, you know. Did you, um, I had sent you a a video link to a piece by Gabor Mate. Did you get a chance to see that?
3: I had seen it, and I watched part of it again, but it was very familiar. The thing I have to confess is I didn't watch to the end. I watched about half, and it was all these people talking about the type of abuse they had experienced. And I was hoping to get. Did the did the film come to a different kind of ending where it resolves and suggests and heals, or was it mainly just an expose of the traumas that people have gone through, which kind of explains why they're where they are?
5: Yeah to me the uh, the the whole gist of the film was to help people to recognize that beneath those addictive behaviors there is a trauma and you oh, know yeah. one of the lines that was repeated in the film more than once was we treat people as what they've done rather than looking at what's happened to them and that was relating to prison and and such and unfortunately and you know this is someone who's making a big mark in the world and and I think really opening a space for processing the pain and the trauma though so unfortunately in the hour and 20 whatever minutes is in the film the word forgiveness isn't used once and unfortunately he starts out with a definition of trauma that is based in denial and so there's no resolution there's no forgiveness there's no moving through there's just this we need to embrace and and i agree and it, I, he's making yes. a space for people to understand that but unless you go to the next level it's uh it's going to well, be a tough yeah. tough thing to break through
3: that's good that's pretty much what i thought was going to be happening is yes we can open our arms and acknowledge and there's a lot of healing that can happen in that a lot of people said I've been changed by this yeah but you're right the other step wasn't at least as far as I listened the other step wasn't there and I haven't finished it but thanks for telling me about it
5: yeah the uh, the fact that being able to embrace the trauma and for the person who, you know, he demonstrates he goes through and processes some people and what he calls compassionate inquiry. And Mm -hmm. just the fact that he's there in an embrace of them being the space of love for them is itself very powerful. I wish Mm -hmm. I had the space, uh, an opening to communicate with him and talk about the next level. So now, you know, you have done a whole hour and a half film on ostensibly on healing but you haven't said a word about the core of what it takes to heal and that is forgiveness again without that yes we can process a lot of things and life can change but you'll notice that like there's there're one or two people that he interviews who were on the street and the changes they got and their lives have gotten better but they're still on the street
3: Oh, Brother! yeah, and
5: so you know, I wonder if you I would could talk to. to him is is there do you think he's sort of receptive or
3: available to hear what you say because he might really like it?
5: I don't know. I have uh considered that and have uh much on my plate at this point that uh I haven't pursued you know finding out how to reach him and talk to him personally., mm. yeah, but you reinforce that idea. For sure. I mean, he's he's really out there and really functioning as that space of love and yeah, you know, in and, and at the same time in his own process, which of course we all are. He's very well. Clear you can about.
3: tell. In fact, he looks like a man in serious pain, even now, tormented. I think even
5: tormented would be the word for that face. That's that would be my take too.
3: Yeah. Well, he's putting it to good use
5: yes absolutely absolutely it's uh it's touching it's touching to uh to have people just recognize as opposed to this cultural or this person in prison is a bad person. Well, actually, this person in prison is a hurt person, and rather than setting systems up to inflict more hurt, which most of prisons are, mm. if we set prisons yeah. up to be a place where healing happens, yeah, you know? yeah, it's kind of like medical school. If we set them up, I-, I once said to a dean of a medical school in uh, in uh, Florida, what what would it be like if the people who want to become physicians came to your school to a warm gentle loving caring environment where they were nourished and nurtured and healed and were sent out healers and he was just like you know a gasp with you know really what a what a shocking idea it's like duh how else are we going to get healers except healing? Well, actually, he, a year later, we kept in communication for some time, and a year later, he left the uh, uh, university in Gainesville as the dean of the medical school to go into bringing alternative medicine, alternative healing methods into medical schools. So Whoa. there was a definite shift. We did a we did a, a still point session with him that just was like monumental for him personally, wow. and that was like a big wake up. It's like, so this wow. is what healing is about, and treatment, medicine's a whole different game. Let's put them both together.
3: God. You did plant a seed that bore some fruit, though.
5: Yes, yes. He did, he did make some, some powerful changes. So I will,
2: uh,
5: I'll, I'll take the reinforcement of the idea of getting in touch with Gabor and uh, seeing if he's open to a conversation.
3: Well, I was thinking maybe somebody else should, uh, I'm not volunteering, though, you know, but it might be less, if it's a matter of feeling threatened his feeling threatened at all or that you're trying to displace. If one of your students uh, got into some sort of relationship with him and then pointed out your work or something, that would be less threatening. If threatening is really a thing, maybe it isn't a thing. Maybe the man is much beyond all that.
5: I would think so. I would think he is. So Mm. thank you for volunteering. Go for it. (laughs)
3: <laughs> I knew that you were going to nab me for that.
5: You knew that was coming, um, right? <laughs> yeah,
3: I knew it. I was asking for it, like at church. Why don't we do this? And the minister says, "Go for it." Yeah, <laughs> do it. Do it.
0: <laughs> yeah.
5: Well, that's how it was in so, Heartland when somebody came up with an nice idea. It's like, okay, that's yours. Go for it.
3: Oh yeah. Well, the other day <laughs> you said you gave a passionate talk about being our own health advocates. And I made some immediate changes as a result of that. Um, I've got a couple of little diagnoses. Uh, my heart doctor, because of my age, and I've always had very low cholesterol. Suddenly, it's around a normal range. But he said I'm going to put you on a statin drug. So he did, and I I am taking it. Not sure whether I should. My son thinks it's fine, but he's totally in the allopathic field anyway. Right. But also, I I am pre diabetic, and um, I've been reading about that and listening to podcasts, and so I'm experimenting with a sort of gentle keto diet, which huh? is lots and lots of salad fruit but not too much and not the very sweetest like no bananas for instance and um, starting off and intermittent fasting which is very easy for me because I get up at four in the morning and I don't eat till eight or nine and that can be he says you should get up when you get up and don't eat breakfast at all eat lunch and an early supper like four hours between those two meals and then you're fasting again.
0: Right, I can't quite
3: right. do that. I get too hungry, I, you know. But basically, I'm experimenting with this because my energy has not been what it should be, and it's also Easter, and I was eating all the available chocolate eggs that I'm not <laughs> supposed to eat. <laughs> so, so no, I like thought you big. quit sugar. I did, except when I don't.
5: Except when you're eating chocolate eggs. Okay, I understand. Yeah, right. So one of the things to pursue, I think the main energy that creates pancreatic problems is grief.
3: Pursue the healing and the forgiveness
5: of what the grief is about.
3: Okay, you said that before, and I know it's absolutely right, and I haven't wanted to go anywhere near there. So just to tell you, I think you're onto to something, but don't we all feel huge grief? Just being in the physical body on the planet, believing we are separate, seeing the, the suffering that's going on around us and the planet's suffering and everything, how much grief can we express?
5: Well, the thing is that, that grief is a result of a thought disorder and so it's not how much can we express but are we willing to face the thought disorders that create that energy that loads the pancreas down
3: okay I'm like in kindergarten now how would I begin
5: Well, of course, forgiveness is key. Uh, well, let me share a story. We had a woman at Heartland. This goes back, oh, geez, 20, hmm, probably 21, 22, maybe 23 years. And this woman came to Heartland. She was on the sport team for a year. And it became very quickly known that... If she gets testy, if she gets miserable, if she gets ready to bite your head off, give her some food because her blood sugar Oh, I
3: remember this, but keep telling, yeah. Keep telling, though.
5: And, you know, I mean, this went on for months until the day in a still point session when she finally allowed herself to get in touch with what was at the root of her pain, And that was that uh, she had been married to a man that was the love of her life. And he was in a car accident. And as a result of the car accident, he got a blood transfusion. And the blood transfusion was tainted with AIDS, and he died from AIDS.
3: Oh, my God,
5: yeah. And she had never allowed herself to, to, to look at that or process that. And literally the next day, once she went into that process, which was very traumatic for her, coming out the other mm-hmm. side, she could skip a meal with no problem and no, you know, no irritation, no upset. You, know, you don't have to cover your head because, <laughs> because um, she hasn't had food. I mean, literally the next mm-hmm. day. And from the rest of her time there, there wasn't that, I have to eat or I'm in emotional trouble.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: <laughs> and of course, pursuing that is, you know, would be a combination of, of course, all of the above, every tool, and asking Ruka's guidance for what, what is it that I need to deal with? What, what needs to surface? What needs to move in me? What arena do I need to apply this tool of forgiveness to touch into? What's literally loading down? What's, what's the energy that's Loading down the pancreas.
3: Well, I certainly haven't had a big trauma like that. Like the loss of somebody I cared about that much. But maybe that's the wrong approach. I guess you're saying we should ask. I mean, I can think of things like 25 years of being judged as an untrustworthy bitch by my son-in-law. And... And losing my daughter for all that time—is that she's back? I mean, is I don't know what the grief would be. And I guess you're saying you don't know either. The loss—the to-
5: loss of your daughter for 25 years—that that sounds like a pretty significant um, a hole in the heart. Cancel the thought. No.
3: Well, uh, yeah. I know it sounds so dramatic, but my son always says, that's why you got a pacemaker, Mom. It was right after this crisis, you went into the hospital and needed wires put in your heart. Right. And I was thinking, yeah, that's really dramatic, but the doctor didn't say that. You know, Doc, why did this happen? Oh, we don't know, he said. We just have no idea. Yeah. So Well,
5: I- that's not their, their business is to, to search out healing. Their business is to search out treatment.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: Rare is the physician that goes for the healing, along with the treatment.
3: Yeah, but you're saying I have to settle in and ask to be shown. I, I've been asking you, tell me what it is. Well, why should you know? So yeah, and I don't know if uh, I it's have a process. Of Again, it's a
5: process. You know, it's not an event. Yeah. You can say, oh, here's the event. A now you're going to do that, like. You know what you shared may be exactly what's at the core of of what mm-hmm. literally your pacemaker is about, and literally your blood sugar is about. But you don't just walk up to the door of that and knock on it and say, "Okay, I'm here to heal this." Your yeah. your whole being, your whole energy field needs to prep itself to be in the space to be able to open that door. I, if you forgot a uh, a high level of trauma to be dealt with and a level of vitality that doesn't allow that to open, then it's not going to open. That's why, Mm -hmm. you know, we're doing all of the above. That's why we're suggesting you pay attention to your breath. That's why we're suggesting you do daily forgiveness. That's why we're suggesting that you pay attention to what you eat and, you know, the things that vitalize and strengthen Mm -hmm. the self to be able to access what otherwise... The system's got a, you know, it's like a, you know, a thorn. And what happens? The body creates a cover over the thorn to keep it from being an injury. And a a psychic thorn, like you've described there, until you're vital enough to be able to really pull that thing out and hold it in wholeness and work through it, it's not it's not something we just walk into the door as i say and knock on the door and say okay i'm ready to deal with this it's Mm -hmm. it's a process that you know and and if you went back you know you've been listening for many years to the show but if you went back to day one and listened to every hour you know from day one there'd be a clue here and a clue here and a clue here and a piece there and and all of the above is what it takes to get to that next piece of work You know, I recognize that in my own process, you know, things that, you know, gee, I sure would have liked to have dealt with this yesterday, but I recognize that I'm not in a sensitive period to be able to hold that and to work through that. And so what do I need to do to do that? That's where all of the above comes in. That's where every tool comes in. And of course, willingness is a big one.
3: Mm. The work Dr. Tim's been doing on the previous hour is dovetailing in very nicely with this. We got into a discussion about what the word power means. And I have lots of a long list of power, definitions of power that are very negative. So I don't want to step into my power because that means that I'm forceful, I'm privileged, I'm spoiled, I'm cruel, I'm mean, I have a superiority complex, blah, 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 down the line.
5: Sounds like a great but, list of worksheets.
3: <laughs> well, he had me do a word link thing, which is one of your tools. Right. And I got some great links, but I haven't sort of defanged the word power. I've got word link: power equals agency, power means wholeness. Power means allowing. Power means the sense of self that's secure enough that I can choose love in every situation. Those are all
4: great little
3: word links, and I'm using them. Um, But when my son-in-law called me what he called me, I felt as if every... Everything in me would never dare to be powerful again. And my mom used to say, "Who do you think you are?" Which adds to that. And, right. Um, so. So,
5: how about a mind shifter?
3: Okay, I'm ready.
5: It's safe and healing. Mm-hmm. And everybody in my world, including me.
3: Okay, I'm still running. Yeah.
5: Appreciates it.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: When I step into my full power.
3: Whoa. I can't argue with that. I like that. Yeah, I probably right. can.
5: hmm <laughs> You probably can. <laughs> All those other <laughs> definitions you had for it. It's yeah. they're they're there. <laughs> so I'd you know, do the split page oh, on I that, like that and And then each of those other definitions, that's going to be probably at least a worksheet on each of them. You know, Mm -hmm. when you perceive that the people with power abuse and take advantage of whatever all the dynamics are. And as you remove those things, you'll step to the next level of power. And that's going to include physical vitality.
3: That's very cool. Oh, boy. Okay. Brainstorming. Okay. Thanks. Lots
5: of thoughts. And another mind shifter might be, and this would be more like a mental exercise. Okay. Where you get into a space with your breath that you're so connected Mm-hmm. that you could sit with Jacob's dad and just mm-hmm. breathe and stay connected to love with every abuse he can hurl. Um. And do that so powerfully that your love brings presence and healing to him.
3: You know, I'd love to do that, and in a way, I've been doing it, but not as intentionally, but when I talk to the boys about him, I'm careful not to say anything negative. I say, your dad has a disorder that sends him into this state of mind, but he is, when I met him, he was the most intelligent, loving, kind-hearted. I mean, I thought he'd better join our family. That's how much I liked him and i well, introduced him to my daughter and of course i feel a lot of guilt about that i didn't know about
0: this
5: next other worksheet guy. next worksheet have you done any work around being guilty for having brought him into your family no no it sounds like you're holding yourself pretty pretty highly responsible for that
3: okay i've written it down you're a full-time job, Michael Rice.
5: <laughs> Just doing <laughs> my job. <laughs> yes, yes we saying. all are.
3: Yeah. I had a, a an example of taking my power yesterday in church. I'm in charge of making announcements every once in a while at the podium of my church in the middle of a service. And I'm coaching myself because what I've been doing before is getting up there in a state of mind where I have to play the clown. And I do it very, you know, I don't think anybody really knows what I'm doing, but it's like I'm not myself. Yesterday, I stepped up and thought, I'm going to just be who I really am. It took such concentration. And I could feel my friendly self, my clown self, which is also a really friendly, loving self kind of leaking right. around the edges. And several people after would said, I love it when you do announcements. You have a lot of energy and you focus on us and we feel seen and it's a little bit fun and I'm thinking, That's what I wanna be but it took so much psychic energy to step into that. That was power. That was power, in the good sense. just a little and, thing,
5: but... And did the this, this psychic energy that it took to do that, was that psychic energy needed in order to keep another aspect of self out of the picture?
4: Yep. The, the unacceptable
5: aspect. So, So there's the part that's in need of healing. Like, when you come to the point where you Recognize your whole expression is acceptable, wow. rather than just the parts you approve of.
3: Yeah, the clown. is I to suspect go your
5: magic. Yeah. yeah. I suspect your psychic yeah. energy is to hold back the parts of yourself you disapprove of, and time to let it out. Holy! Take mackerel. a lot of energy to exactly. hold on to that.
3: Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah, that's
5: a holy mackerel statement, isn't it?
3: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yep.
5: Or if you're up in Ohio, if you're up in the Midwest, it'd be holy moly.
3: (laughs) Oh, yeah, I've heard that one, too. (laughs) Yeah, to feel as if you have a right to take your stand and take up space. Yes. Big deal.
5: That'd be a good mind shifter. I have the right to take a stand and take my space.
3: Okay. Good affirmations.
5: Mm Mm-hmm. And even better if used as a mind shifter.
3: I can feel how that's better because I can feel the push against it already.
5: Yeah, you're right. Allow it to bring things up. Allow it to surface the the Mm -hmm. load that's being carried and let go of it.
3: Is that the grief?
5: Like, that might be it. I have to keep the truth of who I am hidden because I'm not acceptable. So loss of self could that be the grief? Absolutely. I think that's the grief and. And the what might have been if I hadn't had to do that for a lot of people is the grief.
0: Mm.
5: Because there's also the hiding of the sensitive self, the self that is connected to being in love.
3: Yeah. Yeah. In the business with my daughter and husband is just one of the of that. Yep. Yeah. Yep.
5: And the show is going to cut us off in a few seconds okay. or so, but we'll carry on to completion and uh, hold the space Thank for that direction to continue that momentum you just set up. Go for it. Thanks, Michael. All right. Have a blessed one.
3: Thanks, you too.
5: Everybody, thank you for joining us. Have the best year yet of your eternal life. It's an awesome gift to give the world. bye